SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Warning. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like, especially when it comes to your love of sports, entertainment, and even your own morning culinary experiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. I was rooting for Denver in the series, but ultimately, I'm rooting for the Lakers and LeBron to lose. And do I think the Denver Nuggets can beat the the LA Lakers? No. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, on this Friday, September 18th. Yours truly sitting in for the next two glorious hours, taking your phone calls at 844-843-6879. Again, that's 844-843-6879. If you want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to the website, oppositepicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. Emails, tweets, phone calls, little YouTube chat as well right here on a, again, Friday, September 18th, Bagels and Bad Beats with yours truly, Scott Wetzel. Well, game two, Browns and Bungles of the NFL season. Game two, Celtics and Heat. Game six, Lightning and Islanders. Game set and match, Stankies. I told you so. Uh, Hartley Brady's bunch in Tampa. Are these big praises or subtle shots? Back to basics for the Lakers, cover up in Pittsburgh, and a clean bill of health for the Pac-12. We'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets right here. Again, on the Bagels and Bad Beats on a Friday, September 18th. Check out the new backdrop there with yours truly. I moved into new studios. The wife kicked me out of the home, and I found a new studio. So how does it, how does it look? Uh, you know, it's the magic of a radio slash television slash YouTube. So, uh not bad. You know, uh, maybe we'll use this backdrop all the time. Maybe we'll all switch from uh, location to location every other day. A new backdrop here on uh, Bagels and Bad Beats. But uh, uh, let me know what you think. Anyway, what we think last night is our Boston Celtics stink. Uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, did well last night. Bungles, you know, you want to say uh, lost the battle but won the war. We kind of said that last week against the Chargers. But uh, maybe it gets duplicated again. Uh, last night against the Cleveland Browns and Tampa Bay and the Dallas Stars will meet the Stanley Cup championship. We'll get to all that stuff, a lot of baseball stuff. Stanky's going deep. It's a Friday, Vegas a bad beat. Got to SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Dragic now, five to shoot, lost it momentarily, pulls back, Dragic a three-pointer, bang! Goran Dragic from downtown, and the Heat lead by five. Plays, 
all bubble long. Put this team on his back when it mattered most. Not afraid of the moment. Beautiful offense. ESPN with the call there as uh, the Miami Heat do beat the Boston Celtics 106-101, rallying from 17 down in the process. Second half, the outscored Boston 37-17, turning a 13-point halftime deficit into a 7-point fourth quarter lead. Boy wonder Brad Stevens uh, left uh, nowhere to be found, no answers whatsoever. Nice job at halftime there, Skip, as uh, again, you blow a double-digit lead, second straight game. After leading by double digits in game one, this was a heartbreaker. You know, you thought they would come out flying, and Boston did really lead from start to finish as far as the first half is concerned. You know, dominated. You had to get up 13, and things were looking great, <clears throat> and then it just fell apart in the third quarter. You, just, you know, you outscored 37-17, and, uh, you know, that turned the ball game around. Boston made a run in the fourth quarter, actually took a, a lead at one point, but, you know, it was kind of one of those uh, – uh, up and down spurt leads where it wasn't a, a maintained lead over two, three, four, five minutes. It was just they happened to, you know, rally and get a, a one or two point lead. And uh, and then Miami regained control. And that was it. Boston, you know, the bottom line to it all is Boston missed its shots in the final couple of minutes and the Heat made theirs. I mean, it, it's remarkable how Miami can play poor, not bad, you know, so poorly, though, for a couple of quarters and, and you know, be human. And then some of the shots that these guys hit in the fourth quarter of these games, it's just amazing. They don't miss. I mean, it's amazing. They just don't miss in the fourth quarter. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, pick in Tyler Hero or, or Butler. I mean, it, it is just amazing how they hit clutch shot after clutch shot after clutch shot. I, I, I can't remember. I'm sure there's been some. But, you know, you, you got to be impressed, whether you're a Heat fan or not, with, you know, decent players. We're not talking about super superstars. Even Jimmy Butler, as good as he's been this postseason, he's not a top five or even a top 10 player in the NBA. Top 20, you know, he's right around there, borderline top 20, depending on how deep you want to go. But the play he has made, you know, just championship caliber play. Uh, he only had, what, 14 points it was last night, but just his plays on defense, making steals, making blocks, and just playing winning basketball. I mean, it really is. I mean, Eric Spolster kind of said it. Uh, at, at the end of the game in the post-game press conference. But it is true. That, I mean, that's that's winning basketball. That's the difference between, you know, when Bradley Beal yells and cries about not being on the uh, you know all-NBA first, second, or even third team, and every other player on those teams, those 15 other players, all were on playoff teams. Th th this is what we talk about. You know, it's, it's one thing to average 30-plus points a game, and you're losing games 135, 130. Anybody can do that. Th th you know, that's not being a great player. It really isn't. But being a good player is scoring 14 points as Butler did, but in the fourth quarter was the man. Final three, four, five minutes, he was the man. That's championship basketball. That's what separates you from just being able to score your 25, 30 points every single game, but in losses, nobody gives the rats behind. I tell you, they, they played great. They, they hit clutch shot after clutch shot. They've done it all series long, the two games. They did it last series. They did it against Indiana as well in the first series. You know, it's, it's you know, you're at the point now where you think this is not a fluke. Now, could they actually beat the L.A. Lakers if the Lakers, uh, you know, dethrone Denver like we think they're going to do? I, I don't know if they have that, you know, that, that karma thing, you know, that that only lasts so long. You, you, you wait for the other shoe to drop. You wait for the reality of Tyler Hero being just a, you know, uh, basically an inexperienced player. You know, you wait for, for Jimmy Butler to yell and scream at someone and get in someone's face. You, you wait for some of these guys to kind of go back to the pack a little bit, but. 
It's not happening. It's not happening so far. And I'll tell you one thing from the Celtics standpoint, Kemba Walker. Now, he did have 23 points last night, and it wasn't bad shooting as well. But this is not the Kemba Walker that the Celtics signed up for. You know, when they signed him away from Charlotte this offseason, they thought they were getting something really, really, really special. And he has not been that. He hasn't been awful this postseason, you know, averaging right around 20 points a game. But he hasn't had that monster game, you know, where he he's carrying uh, the Celtics to uh, a victory. You know, last night, 23. Okay. Game before in overtime, only 19 on 6 of 19 shooting. Game before that against Toronto series, now 14, then 5, 21, 15. He did have the one game in a loss, 29 points against Toronto, but before that, 17, 18. You know, it, it's you have to go back to the Philadelphia series, the last time we really saw 32, 24, 22, and 19 points. Even, even those, you know, he's only had, you know, one, two games of 29 points or more. He's only had two games of more than 24 points. You know, that that's the, you know that that's not cutting. You don't you don't pay a guy, you know, 30 35 million dollars a year to be the face of the franchise and score basically 20 points a game and that's been his MO. And he's not scoring 20 points a game on 10 of 20 shooting. He's going 6 of 19, 5 of 16, 2 of 11, uh 4 of 9, 6 of 18, 6 of 11 which is doable, but not that many shots. You like to have to take more shots than that. Uh you know, 8 of 16, not too bad. 7 of 16. You know, 1 of 9. And you know, it, it's not he's just not been the man, you know. Now it's been overshadowed by the fact that the Celtics are actually winning and advancing on, but they're not winning because of Campbell Walker. He's he's just doing his part, but he's not stealing victories like he's supposed to do. So tough loss. As, as a Celtic fan, you know, I, I thought they were going to win last night. I was afraid that they would lose. You know, they're up 17. Everything is great, and and they just lay an absolute egg, J- just an egg. Uh, Cleveland beat Cincinnati last night, uh, 35-30 in uh, Thursday night football. Again, Bungles maybe win the lose the battle, uh, in, i.e. the game, but uh, win the war. And that Joe Burrow threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, or excuse me, three touchdowns, uh, over 300 yards, three TDs for the Bungles. Uh, he did lose one of two fumbles. One time he wasn't paying attention and they snapped the ball. Not exactly sure whose fault that was, but, you know, he threw for 200-plus yards uh, last week in the loss against the Chargers, coming off a short week. Didn't know what to expect out of him. And I, I won't say he played great, but listen, you throw for 300 yards, albeit against the Browns' defense, and you throw for three touchdowns. Now, the game was a middle, a little misleading in that, you know, one point or one score game, 35-30, ended up being the, uh, the final score. But in reality, the Browns were leading by two scores most of the way. Still a close game, though. So it wasn't like it was complete garbage time. You know, 35-7, and all of a sudden, Burrow throws for three scores. No, that was not, you know, so it was a competitive game. Um, but, you know, they did score their last touchdown with 43 seconds left. They couldn't recover the onside kick, and the Browns walk away with the win. So, but your overall impressions, even though Baker Mayfield threw for 200 yards and two scores, uh, did have one interception, it, it was Joe Burrow. You know, it's amazing how far this guy has come. Now, he was the number one overall pick, so you would expect it. It shouldn't be that big of a surprise, but. I'm watching that game last night not to see Baker Mayfield, not to see Odell Beckham Jr., not to see the Browns, not even really to see the Bungles. It was clearly to see Joe Burrow. And I came away impressed. Not that I didn't expect anything otherwise. 37 of 61, 61 passes on a short week uh, for 316 yards, was sacked three times, had that little uh, screw up where he tried to call a timeout, 
and uh, the ball was snapped, uh, you know, past him. So again, I'm not sure if that was the center's fault or whether it was Burrow's fault, but uh, the bottom line is the kid made some progress. So I don't know if it's going to turn into wins. You'd like to see eventually before the season is out if you're a Bungles fan. But you know what? In a lot of ways, it, it's not the worst thing in the world to see him lose. You know, he even said after the game, and I'd have to go back to two years ago because LSU was a, was a mediocre team two years ago. But he said he thought this was the first time he's lost back-to-back games in his life. Uh, I, I don't th- I don't doubt that in high school. I mean, how many times is Joe Burrow going to be losing a high school game, right? So I, I don't I'm not uh, shocked about that. But two years ago at LSU, I'd have to double check that. But either way, you know, for Burrow and the Bungles to go six and ten, I mean, you don't want to go two and fourteen. You don't want that. But you know, like five and five and eleven, six and ten. Point is, get a top ten draft choice. If if you can even get a top five draft choice for next year. Uh, then you get yourself set up for the future. Now you go get yourself a big-time, whatever, it's offensive lineman. I mean, listen, they, they got stuff on paper, this Bungles team. They really do. You know, they got a running back in Vicks, who should be good. They got some wide receivers. Uh, they got their quarterback. You know, the defense stinks, so maybe that's where they go. But getting a, uh, a top-five pick next year wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Bungles. All right, 844-843-6879. A whole lot of baseball more coming up on a Friday, baby. With that big SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. I didn't throw 60 passes in three weeks. <laughs> Burrow steps up, throws, end zone, and caught for the touchdown, Boyd. What a throw, but what a catch. On possession. is caught for the touchdown Mike Thomas score game as the four yard touchdown throw to Thomas a former Ram who was out in LA with his head coach Zach Taylor takes it in for his first score Bagels and Bad Beats on a Friday morning. I guess technically that would be a uh, NFL network call, not necessarily a Fox call, although Fox was uh, the production crew with uh, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman there doing the game last night as the Brownies do beat the uh, Bungles uh, 35-30 despite uh, Joe Burrow there throwing for 300 yards, three touchdowns. And again, uh, they lose the battle, but uh, again, perhaps they do win the war. Couldn't recover the onside kick, so the Brownies walk away with the victory. All the talk, all told, uh, you know, excuse me, <clears throat> all the talk is going to be about Burrow as it should be, which only goes to show how far down, you know, the Browns and Baker Mayfield have gone. You know, a couple of years in the league, third year, and then all of a sudden people are just like kind of writing off Baker Mayfield. So had 6,000 as they should. Had 6,000 fans last night in the 68,000 seat stadium where the Brownies play. So. Uh, they were granted permission to have just the 6,000, less than 10%. And uh, no Mike Brown, owner of the Bungles, 
didn't travel. He's 85 years old, so he's missed he missed his first regular season game since 1968. Guy went to 824 straight games. While that is accomplishment in itself, watching the Cincinnati Bungles play for 824 straight games is, is you know, throw a little extra, uh, you know, kudos to uh, Mike Brown on that one. But last night, uh, not the case. So Cleveland kind of survives its season. Not necessarily a make or break game for the Browns. I, I won't go that far because their schedule is pretty easy. I mean, when you when you look at it, you know, what do they got? Washington next week. So, you know, after getting demolished, you know, uh, last week by the uh, Baltimore Ravens, you know, if things go the right way for the Browns, you know, and that's assuming a lot. Um, but they actually could have a halfway decent year. You know, when you look at their schedule, they got Washington next week at home. Uh, you know, again, maybe they'll have, uh, you know, 10,000 fans in the stands. So you would think they, they would be favored to win that one. So, uh, you know, be two and one. Then they got rival, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowgirls uh, coming into town. Everyone's arrived with Dallas. Uh, actually, they play that at Dallas. Then they got a winnable game against the Colts. So, you know, if you beat Washington, if you're Cleveland, you're two and one. Let's say you get a split out of Dallas and Indianapolis, which you should be able to do. So now you're three and two. Then you play at Pittsburgh and then at Cincinnati again. So you get a split out of there. You're four and three. And then you got the Raiders at home to close out your first half of the season before you get a bye. I mean, it's not crazy. It really isn't crazy to say that this team could be five and three. And then left on the schedule, they got the Giants left on the schedule. They got the Jets left on the schedule. They got Jacksonville left on the schedule. Man, you talk about an easy schedule. The Cleveland Browns, I mean, geez, they had the Bungles or have the Bengals on the schedule. That's two games. Washington, three games. Giants, four games. Jets, five games. Jacksonville, six games. I mean, they have six games. You know, there's nothing you can do about the Bengals, but they have six games on their schedule that are just against the absolute worst of the worst. You couldn't, there's not a team in the NFL, but maybe, maybe Miami, maybe my beloved Dolphins, but you know, you could play them with two in there and, and who knows what two is going to bring to the table later on. So other than the, than Miami, I mean, you couldn't pick, you know, four better opponents to play on your schedule than the Jets, who are going to be awful. The Giants, who look like they're going to be atrocious. Jacksonville, despite the win, should be god-awful. And then the Bungles, not once but twice. And, it, and then even a Colts team that somehow or another lost to Jacksonville, which clearly is not going to be anything great with Phillip Rivers. I mean, if the, if the Browns don't make the playoffs this year, boy, you talk about a good year to be your first-year head coach. That is it. Now, they do have uh, Dallas, which won't be easy. They obviously play in the AFC North, which means Pittsburgh and Baltimore twice. But, you know, their non-conference or their non-division games, you know, Philadelphia, but at home. Houston, but at home. You know, Indianapolis, but at home. Washington, obviously, we talked about. Um, Tennessee on the road. Okay, that's not too bad. But, again, you know, when you <clears throat> when you analyze these schedules, it's always good if, if you're going to look for the, the dream year. It's always good to have the lousy teams on the road and the tough teams at home. You know, when you're at home, you know, forget about the fans for now. But, you know, when you're at home, you know, you get a fighting chance to beat uh, some of those teams, whether it's Philadelphia or whether it's, uh, you know, Indianapolis. Um, you know, th those toss-up type of games or, or, you know, obviously all your division games, but or Houston, right? So they got the tougher teams at home, and then they got the lousy teams, Jacksonville, Giants, Jets on the road, which gives you a fighting chance to win those games. You'd rather have that, you know, if you want to live in the dream world of being able to, you know, go 500 at home against the best teams, 
and, uh, you know, maybe go 500 or better against the worst teams, albeit on the road. So, in fact, they got back-to-back games against the uh, Giants and Jets at the Meadowlands in, in New Jersey, which is interesting. So, you know, which kind of stinks because uh, two things. One, my father passed away a couple months ago, and he's a big-time, big-time, big-time Browns fan, or at least was. Uh, and this is the rare, rare, rare year where the Browns came into town here in New York, New Jersey, um, not once but twice playing the Jets and Giants back-to-back. So there were a couple of opportunities, as long as the weather held out, that we could have gone to football games this year. But uh, with him no longer around and, uh, you know, fans not being allowed in the stands anyway, although I got a feeling by then they will. Um, but how many people are going to a Browns-Giants or Browns-Jets game right around Christmas time? Good Lord, probably like three people. So, uh, But that all said, the Browns' schedule does set up. I mean, it really does. I mean, it was a horrible, ugly loss against Baltimore week number one, but that that is as easy a schedule. Somehow or another, they said Baltimore has an easier schedule. So the AFC North clearly uh, has the best schedule out of uh, all the teams in the NFL. So uh, nice job by the Brownies. Dare we say that, 35-30 last night, nothing great. Uh, Tampa Bay beat the Islanders 2-1 in overtime. So Tampa Bay in Dallas is your Stanley Cup final. Is it atrocious? No. Islanders-Dallas would have been atrocious, to be fair. Nothing against the Islanders used to work for them. But that that would have been your absolute worst, worst, worst case scenario. Uh, Vegas would have been a better matchup just from a national standpoint. You know, Vegas, West Coast, Tampa Bay, East Coast, even though they're playing up in the bubble in Canada, still you would have had both sides of the country. You know, Vegas has become a national team because of what they were able to accomplish two years ago, making a Cinderella run. You know, people maybe would buy into that. and No one's buying into Dallas. and Nobody. And as far as Tampa Bay, I know they've failed over the last couple of years. So they've become a bit of a story around the NHL. But, you know, Joe Schmo in Topeka, Kansas, is not going out of his way to watch Tampa Bay-Dallas. They're just not. I mean, it's just the ratings for the NHL. We've seen ratings drop for the NFL. We've seen ratings drop for the NBA. And uh, we can't help but think there's going to be ratings dropped for the NHL. And when you have a Stanley Cup final, now I'll watch it because I like hockey, but uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas, is I, I don't even know who to root for. I, I really, I'm, I'm trying to find a hook outside of just putting a couple of shekels down. But other than that, I, mean, I have no angst against Dallas, have no real angst against Tampa Bay. Um, Bruins lost to Tampa Bay, my favorite team, Boston. So would I w- want the team that beat them to go on to win the Stanley Cup championship? You know, I, I don't necessarily care about that. I mean, I, I suppose it's it's nice to know that the team you lost to ended up winning it all. But, you know, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to root for Tampa Bay for that. So we're going to have to come up with something. There's got to be some hook, some, some bad guy, some good guy uh, on one of these two teams that we can kind of, you know, delve into and say, okay, this is our team. But right now on the surface, I don't see it. I really don't. Uh, speaking of gambling, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. This is why they call me Mr. Vegas. What did we tell you yesterday about the U.S. Open in golf, right? I said, play the under, play the better scores, play the hole in ones. If you were with me, and you should be, you'd be sitting on three winners right now, all right? You have uh, Justin Thomas at five under par. He shot a 65, which the best round was over under 65 or less. So you got a winner there. I said play a hole in one, right? You got a winner there. Thank you, Patrick Reed. 
And I said, play two holes in one for the tournament, and that's plus 320 odds in your favor. I said, you know what? Chances are they're going to get two hole-in-ones throughout the entire tournament. Well, lo and behold, they got two yesterday alone. Patrick Reed earlier in the day, and uh, some dude, Zach uh, Zalatoris, never heard of him, to be honest, uh, did a hole-in-one six hours or so later. So you got two yesterday. Cha-ching, cha-ching. You hit on the hole-in-one, pick them. You hit on the whole two holes in one for the tournament, plus 320, and you should have hit on the best round of the tournament at 65 or better. And that all said, we're still sitting on the plus one or better winning score, and you had 21 players yesterday finish under par. 21. You have 32 at par or better. I mean, again, the FanDuel prop yesterday was, will the winning score be even par or under par? And you have 32 bullets right now to get that at even par or better. I, I told you, these guys are too good. I don't care if it's uh, almost 7,500 yards. It could be almost 8,500 yards. These guys are hitting the ball 350 yards off the tee. They're getting on in two on par fives. They're, they're putting for eagles. <clears throat> and, and some of them are making it and some aren't. But these guys are just too good. They're, they're just too good. I mean, the Although, yeah, it's not necessarily being too good. It's being too strong. They hit the ball too far. And to think there's a course there that's going to make them shoot par or worse to win a tournament, no way. I don't care what you do. No way. I will take my chances on the par or better. And right now, we are looking real good. I am Mr. Golf. That's for sure. Bagels and Bad Beats on a Friday morning with yours truly, Scott Whipple. We're coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. Pitch swing in the air. Luis Robert makes the catch. And in a year when so many of us have had to be apart, we all will journey together into October with the White Sox for the first time in 12 years. White Sox Radio Network with the call as Chicago does become the second team to clinch a playoff spot. Bagels and Bad Beats on a Friday morning. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting and taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Our poll question is out. Uh, pretty good response so far. Did it about a half hour ago. Best young quarterback in the NFL aside from Pat Mahomes. We all know he would be the guy, obviously. And you got to throw him in that category since he's been in the league, you know, for a cup of coffee here. So uh, use Joe Burrow from last night, obviously. Uh, Lamar Jackson, people t- tend to forget that uh, he's only a couple of years in the league despite his postseason failures. He's been talked about so much, and rightfully so, good and bad as far as uh, good with his MVP award and bad with the postseason stuff. 
Josh Allen and others. So Burrow, Jackson, Allen, and other. Thought about putting Daniel Jones in there, not in my daughter, but uh, we'll go with Josh Allen since he's taking his team to the postseason now. So so far, early on, uh, Lamar is getting 59% of the vote. Burrow 22. Uh, Allen, seven, and the proverbial other getting 11. So we'll read some of those others here in a couple of seconds. Uh, go to opposite picks, at opposite picks, O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, picks, P-I-C-K-S, and uh, <clears throat> get your vote in. And again, we'll update that uh, a couple of times uh, throughout the show. Yeah, baseball, good, a good day of baseball. Um, you know, it's, it's taken a little while. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why. I, I, maybe it's just the summertime. Uh, maybe it's my team, the Red Sox stink, uh, and, and they stunk since the beginning of the season. Maybe it's the bubble. Maybe it's the only 60 games. I'm not exactly sure what, but, um, it's taken me a little while to buy into major league baseball. Uh, out of all the sports, I don't, you know, this year, uh, I, I don't play with the boys in Vegas that much with them just because, um, you know, you don't know which games are double headers. They have so many double headers. They had a couple yesterday. You know, when it is a double header, you really don't know who's playing. You got to double check and make sure the lineups because guys don't play both games. Uh, you got a bunch of pitchers that no one's ever heard of in these games. You have situations like last night with Charlie Montoya for Toronto, which we'll get to here in a second. You know, his pitcher gives up not one, not two, not three, not four, but five home runs before he finally realizes, well, I guess this guy doesn't have it today. Do you think, Skip? I mean, you know, so you have a lot of nonsensical stuff going on because there's only 60 games and because everyone makes the postseason and these regular season games for a majority of the teams, not all, but a majority of the teams are basically exhibition games. It's very difficult to bet baseball. It is unless you do what we've been doing with our guys and that is just bet the good teams. Like, we've been riding the stanks now for a couple of days, and they did it again last night, hit five home runs. But point overall is it's taken me a little while to buy into baseball, and even though now we have college football and we have the NFL and we have the NBA in, in full swing and the NHL as well, um, I've finally gotten into the, the baseball scene a little bit more and analyzed things. And, and as I get, you know, basically it's probably because we're inching closer to the postseason. So we're, we're inching closer now to games that really count. And we're talking about teams, you know, clinching playoff spots or teams being eliminated. We have basically, depending on which team you root for about 10 games left on the schedule. So let me run down the scores and then we'll break it all down. As far as standings go, white Sox did beat Minnesota four to three. They opened up a lead in the AL Central, three games now over Minnesota. So looks like, you know, barring a collapse, four in the loss column, they're going to win that division with 11 games left or 10 games left, actually. But they do clinch a playoff spot. And listen, here's the deal. Josh, I don't know if you saw the highlight of this. It's actually pretty funny, but it's also actually pretty stupid, you know, and it turned out to be really stupid. If you're Minnesota, let's go on the premise you're trying to win the division, even though there's really not that much of an incentive. Because at this point, they are sitting in the number four spot as far as the fourth best record. So they would have home field advantage for that mini three-game playoff against, at this point, it would be the uh, the Stankies. So, but they're, they're playing for something. I mean, they want to finish ahead of the Yanks here or Cleveland, whoever it may be, to get that number four spot. Even if they're not going to catch the White Sox, you know, although if they win yesterday, they're only down two. So they're actually, it's one of the rare teams that's actually playing for something. So I bring it all up only because. It's a 2-2 game. Josh Donaldson gets a cold second strike that he doesn't like. Pissed off a little bit with the home plate umpire. You know, goes back and forth. Nothing crazy. Okay, no big deal. It happens. 
And next pitch, he hits a home run, solo home run, gives Minnesota a 3-2 lead. So he runs around the base pass, goes to home plate, and instead of just stepping on home plate, no big deal, and walking into his dugout, he decides he's going to kick dirt on home plate as a little dig against the home plate umpire, I suppose. Well, the home plate umpire then kicks him out, as he's supposed to do, and uh, they get into a little bit of an argument. Again, nothing crazy, but Josh Donaldson, bottom line, gets himself kicked out of a game. So why do I bring it up? Well, one, it's dumb. You know, just because a home plate umpire misses a call and you're able to hit a home run the next pitch, you, you would think it would be, all right, no big deal. You know, those things happen. And two, to get yourself kicked out of a game, which actually is important, is pretty stupid. And then you find out the fact later on that Minnesota actually lost the game, even though the home run had given them a 3-2 lead. So they lose the game 4-3, to three, and that came into, what, the fourth inning? I can't help but think that Donaldson, who's a pretty good hitter, you know, an accomplished hitter, obviously, would have helped Minnesota's cause there a little bit. So, you know, he acts like a baby, gets himself kicked out of a game, which they end up losing, in which, for all intents and purposes, really probably sealed the deal that they were not going to win that division. Again, you win the game, you're only down two, you lose the game, now you're down four in the loss column, and that's big. You're not going to overtake a four-game deficit with 10 games left. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, here's the biggest game. This is why Minnesota fails every single year in the postseason. You want to blame it on them facing the Stankies and losing to the Stanks? No, I'll, I'll blame it on just stupidity. Now, it's not been Josh Donaldson's sport over all those years. Uh, but, you know, th these are the things that uh, separate a winning team that cares about winning and a team that just has egos and just wants to, you know, go out there for the fun of it. And, and this is it. You know, you lose 4-3. Now you're basically done. And now you're looking at maybe falling behind the Stanks because we all know the Yanks are never going to lose ever again. They won again last night, 10-7. to They hit six home runs. I mean, boy, you talk about – I told you yesterday, and I don't know what the odds are today. I'll double-check here in a second. But I told you yesterday when I was giving you all those winning golf picks, I also said venture over to the FanDuel baseball page where you could still get the Stankies at 6-1. to one. This team is on freaking fire. As bad as they were two weeks ago – they're just as good this past week. Six home runs now in three straight games. I mean, those needles have been popping in that stanky locker room. No two ways about it. I mean, six home runs. They hit 19 home runs in a three-game series against the Blue Jays. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? They scored. They hit five home runs in the fourth inning alone. And then this poor guy, Chase Anderson. Man, you talk about a guy needing to see his shrink. I mean, what is Charlie Montoya, the manager of the Blue Jays, doing? He must just hate this guy. He gives up a home run, no big deal on one pitch. Gives up a home run on the very next pitch, no big deal. Gives up a home run on the very next pitch. Three home runs in three pitches, and there's Montoya keeping him in the game. He doesn't take him out until he gets up five home runs. I mean, are you watching the game, Skip? He doesn't have it, brother. I mean, holy fudge. You give up three home runs on three successive pitches, and then you give up two more home runs. I mean, what does it take for you to get taken out of a game these days? This is what I mean by it's tough to bet baseball. I mean, I, I can't help but think if this was any other game, any other season, that guy would have been out of there. I, I mean, I, I, Toronto was losing big, and maybe they just figured, all right, we're going to wave the white flag, and he's going to have to take one for the team. But, you know, somewhere along the line, sympathy's got to kick in. I mean, after you give up three home runs on three pitches, I, I mean, you have to be hit over the head to realize this guy doesn't have it. I mean, holy crow. So, and then they end up coming back. They they, they made it a game 10 to 7. 
You know, maybe if he takes them out after the third home run, then the Blue Jays actually have a fighting chance still in the game. So the Yanks are on fire. They're, they're on fire. Again, they were 6-1 to one yesterday. I don't know if they're going to be 6-1 to one today or not, but um, they're going to catch Minnesota. There's no two ways about it. I don't doubt if they don't catch Tampa Bay and they end up winning the division when everything is said and done. And you know, right now, Tampa Bay's the 33 and 18. The Stankies are 29 and 21. So they have three uh, the three games back in the loss column. Uh, you know, so you got to catch up three games in 10. But you know, listen, the way this Stanky team is hitting, whether they catch Tampa Bay for first or not, they will have home field advantage. They will be at worth the number four team. You take the three division winners, they get the top three spots, and then all the second place teams get in, and then two extra wild card spots. But the fourth best record is the other team that gets the home field for that best of three playoff. And that's big because they get all three games. It's not just home field advantage, like two and one. No, you get all three of those games at your home ballpark. So the way the Yanks are playing, uh, I, I know not, not that they would not lose again. There's 10 games left. I won't you know, go that crazy. But the way they're playing, and then you look at the schedule, you know, you just got to wonder. Again, value-wise, 6-1, to one, hop all over. You can still get it 6-1, to one, but they play three against Boston, which at this point, you know, is nothing. Four more at Toronto, and after giving up 19 home runs, I can't say the Blue Jays are going to give them much of a fight next week. And then they close out the season on a three-game series against Miami at home. And I don't know if those games will be meaningful or not for Miami. At this point, they probably will be. Uh, but that, that's you know a relatively easy schedule. There's no Oakland on there. There's no Tampa Bay on there. There's no Dodgers on there. The, you know, there's no even rival Mets on there. You could say the Red Sox are a rival, but the Red Sox are obviously a mess. So um, Yanks, I'm telling you, gra- grab them now. We got to put the black cloud because I, I am not going. I'm telling you right now, I am not going a winter with both the LeBron James L.A. Lakers and uh, Royd-ridden New York Stankies winning NBA series and, and uh, World Series. I, I, I'm not doing that. I, you know, I'll, I'll take one. If you told me which one, which one? That's a, that's a you know, I've been posed this question before. I can't have two. I can only have one. Uh, my producer's saying there's two minutes left. Um, if I could only have one team not win, which would it be? You know, my loyalty to the Red Sox, even though the Stankies have by far the toughest road, but I would, I would, I'll live with LeBron, I guess, winning a championship. Just because, not that the baseball season won't have a little bit of an asterisk as well, but I, I can't have baseball. I, I can't have the Stankies as a Red Sox fan. I, I, I just can't. Um, you know, the one thing we have over them, not overall World Series, but the fact that they haven't won a World Series in over 10 years despite all the money and all the roids and all the cheating and everything else that they haven't won. I got to hold on to that with LeBron winning again. You know, it's been such a wacky year. No one really is taking this NBA year seriously. I think more people are taking baseball seriously than they are NBA seriously. So if I had to have one not win, give me the Stankies not winning. I'll I'll, I'll deal with the LeBron. I just, uh, you know, the NBA season's going to start up basically in a month and a half. So this is going to be a complete afterthought. So right now, though, baseball, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Houston is sitting in the number eight spot, 25 and 25, three-game lead over Seattle. Baltimore losing twice yesterday was just a killer, just an absolute killer. Uh, they have to make up four games with nine left. They're, they're pretty much done. 
Uh, Tigers losing yesterday, seven games under 500. They got to make up three games. They're basically done. And over the National League, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Pittsburgh or Philadelphia is sitting in the number nine or the number eight spot at 25 and 24. One game under 500 is going to get you into the postseason in the National League. Wow, what a group! Uh, how joking is that? All right, the eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. We'll close that hour number one next. Scott Wetzel, Big News and Bad Beats on a Friday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Pirelli plays it back in and goes burrowing in it, it on further and continue to work. Coming by now is Goodrow. Goodrow around behind. A great Doc Emmerich on NBC with the call last night as Tampa Bay, the Devil Dog Juniors, do beat the Islanders. They sink the Islanders 2-1 in overtime, so they win that series in six. And uh, they move on to the Stanley Cup final. Will take on a uh, well-rested Dallas Stars team that hasn't played in almost a week. Uh, Tampa Bay is a monster favorite. I tell you what, you're going to get good value. You know, if you, if you like playing dogs in the NHL, uh, Tampa Bay in the series is minus 175, Dallas plus 135. Not so much there, although, you know, pretty good value there on a Dallas team that's uh, been red hot. Uh, but look at the line for the game. You know, game one tomorrow night. Now, they don't get much rest here. It's unfortunate. They probably should get an extra day, but uh, they just want to get these seasons over with. They don't want to screw around. So game one is tomorrow, 730. And Tampa Bay is a monster 180 favorite. You can get back 155 on FanDuel with Dallas over under a five and a half. I got to tell you, well, one, I love the under, although you got with FanDuel, you got to lay minus 160. So that might be five elsewhere. But you want to give me Dallas plus 155? I mean, the way they've beaten these teams left and right and they've been underdogs. I mean, listen, it's never been about talent with the Dallas Stars. They've always had the talent, Taylor Sagan and, and company. It's just being able to put it all together. And we've been waiting for a run like this for the longest time, and they finally have done it. Uh, I, I will gladly take Dallas plus 155 in all these games, and I'll take my chances they don't get run over by Tampa Bay. So uh, you're getting real, real good value in my eyes there. Uh, poll question is out. Uh, best young quarterback out there, uh, including the proverbial other. We got Josh Allen. We got Lamar Jackson and uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, we got Steven that uh, tweets in, Jackson will have a better career because he's with a better organization. The Clearwater Kid tweets in, Drew Locke. In the near future, uh, Giggs tweets in as a Packer fan, I would take Burrow all day. I'd go Lamar if he had a guarantee of longevity, but I've seen this before. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Uh, uh, there you go. Get the opposite picks. Get your vote in. All right, hour number one in the books. Four coming up. Scott Lutzel. Big as a bad
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.